Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless us all in the reading for this morning. Good, uh, good morning. Today we're going to continue our um, sermon series called Gospel Worthy Light. And uh, we know that we got this particular term, this title, in Philippians 1.27. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Right, right off the bat, you see gospel worthy right there. Right? Life comes from this particular term, conduct yourselves, and then also in a manner worthy. We talked about that last week. Last week, the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul's message to us, God's message to us, is to conduct ourselves as good citizens, because that was the original in the Greek, as good citizens. Not so much so just of Canada or wherever citizenship you have, but something that's higher than that citizen of heaven, as a citizen of heaven as we live here on earth. And uh, Paul enjoined that uh, to become uh, a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So it's all heavenly and spiritual in nature. But what I want to do today, this morning, is to talk about, uh, probably for me at least, the hardest or the most difficult part of this admonition right here. And it's this term. Whatever happens. We need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ all the time, it seems. Whatever happens. How do we do that? How is that possible? You know, the Apostle Paul, as we have been uh, in this series for for this long, since the beginning of the month, have given us um, admonition on how to do this. He's given us... Um, encouragement on how to do this throughout the book of Philippians. And in the first week of September, our brother Wayne talked to us about the first one in Philippians 4, chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's one way we can do that. Right? I remember the sermon was about shaping ourselves. We're being shaped with joy. Right? That's what, uh, that's what Wayne's message to us about on September 1. And then the week after that, Brother Vince talked to us about Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. And this verse continues. Instead of being anxious, we need to change our anxiety into prayer. Prayer that uh, will enable the peace of God to come to us, that transcends all understanding. But this morning, we are going to focus on the two verses that was just read here. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. In Philippians chapter uh, uh, 4, verse 8, we read this. And it gives us an insight on how we, we, can, we can live gospel-worthy lives, whatever happens. Okay? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Look at the underlined words. Is any of those negative? 
Is any of those something that will cause you to hang your head in shame or make you feel, you know, desperate or in despair? It's all positive things in there, right? And Paul says, all these positive things, think about such things. Whatever there is something that's positive, think about such things. So, one way in which we can live gospel-worthy lives, no matter what, is to think positively. Right? But you're probably thinking, well, that's well and good, Jay. It's easy to say. Maybe we give, it as, give us an example. Right? It's interesting because in Philippians 4, verse 9, Paul says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's our example right there. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to think about positive thinking and we're going to see that in practice. And we're going to use the Apostle Paul to do that. Okay? We're going to look at a story in the Apostle Paul's life to see how we can do that. So this morning, that's the title of our lesson. Positive thinking in practice with the help of the Apostle Paul. Because he said, whatever you've seen in me, Whatever I've told you, think about it and put that into practice. We're going to look into that. So this morning, we're going to look at an example from Paul's life, and we're going to look at lessons that we can learn from that particular example. So an example from Paul's life. There's a lot of things that Paul did. You know, we see that in Scripture. There's a lot of things that happened to him. There's a lot of things that he told us. There's a lot of things that that he went through in life. And... uh, in this particular example that we're going to choose, I'm going to choose the Acts 27, if you guys remember that. We're going to talk a lot about naval things today, about the, about, about, uh, about the sea, about sailing. Acts 27 is, is this account of how Paul had a, had a shipwreck on the island of Malta. Okay? So, Paul is amazing because he can say with conviction, no matter what, live gospel-worthy lives. And we see that firsthand in his life. It's not that, it's not like he just had an inconvenience, right? You know what an inconvenience was? There's an example on Friday. Were, were you, did you guys go to work on Friday morning? Did you guys notice that rain? If you guys didn't notice that rain, you probably didn't go out. Or I don't know, you probably, you probably were in a cave somewhere. Not in Winnipeg, but somewhere else. That rain was intense. It was so strong that the sewage system in the city couldn't even handle it. It was flooding everywhere. Sometimes we can feel, well, we were careful. It's normally, it was, for me, it was, that was just an inconvenience. I can, I can live gospel worth, a gospel-worthy life through that. That's, that's easy. But we're talking about a storm, right? What happens when a storm passes through our life? What do we do? How are we able to live a gospel-worthy life during that storm? And this is what we're going to look at in the example from Paul's, Paul's life. So it's going to take us on a journey in the Mediterranean. Okay, this is the map right here. I don't know if you guys can see that from afar, but we'll just orient ourselves. Uh, this is the Mediterranean right here. This is Israel right here. This is what we now call Turkey. First time I heard that country, it was, it was weird. There's a, there's a country called Turkey. That's Turkey. This is uh, currently what's, what's, uh, what modern-day uh, Greece is. This is Italy. And Canada is way over there. This is the Atlantic right here, and Canada is way over there. Okay? 
we're going to focus ourselves in here. We're going to go on a trip this morning as we go through the life of Paul and what he went through in that shipwreck. Okay? And we're going to see today that through all that, he was able to live a gospel-worthy life no matter what. And it's, it's an encouragement for us today. Our story today begins here on this little dot called Caesarea. That is a coast town on Israel. And that's where we found Paul in Acts 24 and 25. You know, the Apostle Paul, he preached the gospel everywhere. And that's what got him in trouble from the authorities or from the Jewish people. While he was there in Caesarea, he was charged by the chief priests in Israel in front of Festus. He was the governor of Judea. And the charge was something that they could not prove. They could not prove that Paul did anything wrong. So as a good Roman citizen, Paul said, you know what, you guys have nothing on me. I'm not going to be tried in this Mickey Mouse court. I appeal to Caesar. You guys, you know, I'm not, you're not going to take, you're not going to have me uh, with uh, these individuals, these high priests. You're not going to surrender me to these high priests. Right? I appeal to Caesar. So Festus, the governor, talked to the king, uh, to the king of, at the time, Israel, right, of that particular area, Agrippa. He says, well, there's this guy, Paul. The chief priest charged him of something, but it's not sticking. I'm not sure what's going on. So Agrippa said, well, here's the case. So Paul told Agrippa this, the king of the area, and he came to the conclusion that you can't be charged with anything. In fact, at the end of chapter 26, here's what Agrippa said to Festus. This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Because Paul said, I'm going to appeal to Caesar. I'm not with this court because you guys can't do anything. I'm going to appeal to Caesar. He could have been set free if he hadn't done that. So the beginning of chapter 27 of Acts, the next verse over, this is what we see. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the imperial regiment. So they're going to go to Italy. Because Paul said, I want to appeal to Caesar. So that's where they're going to go. There's a problem. He's going to go there as a prisoner. See, back then, it's different. You were guilty until you, you were able to prove you're not. He's there with chains on with the other prisoners. And there's this guy. There's a centurion. There's like a marshal. It's like a movie. Do you guys remember that? You know, have you guys seen movies where there's an airplane and there's an air marshal and he's transporting prisoners? People didn't know who the prisoners were. You know, it's like that, except this is in a boat. The centurion was going to take the prisoners, including Paul, to, to, to stand trial in Rome in front of the, in front of the king, in front of the emperor. Okay? So that is our little, uh, uh, situation. And then the next day, they landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. This is what happened. Okay? From Caesarea, right here, they went to Sidon, right there. Sidon currently, as it stands, is in this country called Lebanon. So they, they went there by boat. So while there, that account told us that Julius was nice to, to, to Paul. He says, okay, go to your friends and get the stuff that you need. Back then, the prison system is way different than our prison system here. Today, if you're in prison, you get clothed by the prison, 
you get your jump, you know, your, your orange stuff, right? You get fed by them. They give you activities, everything, you know? Maybe sometimes you can even get your high school diploma there, right? But when you're a prisoner back then in the time of Paul, it's different. You fend for yourself. They don't give you food. If your family or friends did not give you food or money, you did not eat as a prisoner. But Julius was, 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 uh, was, was, uh, found favor and Paul said, go get your food during this trip and then come back. That's what they did. Okay. So next what happened from there, we put up the sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Now here's where all this naval stuff is going to come. And I love this because it takes us to the Mediterranean Sea. I was in the Navy before and I love this stuff. Right. So, uh, they were here and they're going to go here, right? In Italy. So, if you're on a boat, what would you do to get from here to there? How are you going to get there? Exactly that way, right? You want to go from here and you're going to travel like that. But back then, that was impossible. Because back then, the, the ships that they had were not the ships that we have today. Right? This, although it looks small here, they're huge. Especially when the predominant winds are going this way all the time. They're blowing that way. If you go straight that way, you're going to be against the wind. On a sailboat, that's not really very easy to do. So you have to go on the lee of some islands. On the lee of Cyprus means on the protection of Cyrus. Cyprus. This is Cyprus right here. So on the lee of Cyprus is right there. So you don't go that way. You go on the, to the protection of Cyprus on this side. That's what they did. And then after that, when we had sailed across the open sea, this open sea right, right by Cyprus, off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. This is all like, all these names. But good, today we get to see that on a map. And it should stick. The next time you see this, you'll have a picture in your mind. So they are there. Remember, Cilicia is right here. Pamphylia is right there. And they went there to Myra, off of Lycia. We see that from the account. We're not making this up. So from there, they went that way to Myra. And while there, this is what they did. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. So if they were flying, they had a connecting flight in Myra. Do you guys see that? They changed ships because the ship that they're going to go on now is directly going to Italy. As a, as a centurion, he had that power. By the name of the emperor, of Caesar, I have these uh, prisoners with me. I'm going to commandeer the ship. And we're going to go to Italy with you. That's what he did. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Cnidus. Okay? So on the map, this is where they went. I don't know if you can see that there, but that's Cnidus right there. That's where they went. But because the winds are going this way, it was hard for them to go there because they're going against the wind, according to the account. Next. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lassie. Okay, so here's where we are. If you were there, again, if you're thinking about going to Italy right away, you're just going to go this way, right? Boop, boop, there. Done. But it didn't happen that way. According to the account... It was so difficult to go that way because the winds were going against them. So what happened was, they went to the Lee of Crete. This is Crete right here. They went to the Lee, meaning here, opposite Salmon, which is right there. That's where they went. 
Instead of going this way, they had to come this way. And they ended up in fair havens. They didn't want to go there. But they had to go there because there is something brewing in the wind. Okay? What happens next? While they were there, this is what we see. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. You guys have heard of the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament? It was a Jewish thing that they did that God commanded them to do in Leviticus 16 and 23. It's that one day during the year that the the chief priest, the high priest, went to the Holy of Holies and did uh, some elaborate rituals to atone for the sins of Israel for the year. And that day normally would fall at the end of September to early October. This year in 2019, it's on October 8th. You don't want to travel in the Mediterranean in the sea at that time with a sail on a sailboat at that time. Like it's like really like fall, but it's really winter. You need to winter somewhere. Okay? So this is what Paul told them while they were in fair havens. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. And bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. He's telling the guys, to the crew, we need to stay here. We need to winter in fair havens. We didn't plan on being here, but we need to stay here. But what was Paul on that ship? Was he like a businessman on that ship? Was he like a scholar on that ship? He was a prisoner on that ship. Would you listen to the, to the prisoner? You would not listen to the prisoner. So, But the centurion... Instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. You're going to listen to the sailors. That makes sense. Right? Now, here's what happened. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, that's in fair havens, they decided that they should sail on. Because it's not cool to winter in a small town. You're going to spend so many months there, I don't even think you're going to feed yourselves there. So they wanted to go somewhere that's a bigger place, a bigger town, like Winnipeg. They wanted to go there. They, want, they don't want to stay in a small town for a long time. So they hoped to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Here's where we are right now. There they are. They don't want to stay there. It's a small place. It's not good. They wanted to go to Phoenix right here. Just, just a stone's throw away, it seems, right? They wanted to go there. That's where they wanted to go. But this is what happened. They couldn't. When a gent- Well, at first, when a gentle sound, south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. Remember, the winds were going this way, but a gentle south wind was blowing this way. Like, oh, God is letting us go to Phoenix. So they said, anchors away. They, they, they put the anchors up. Let's go there. So they did. They tried. But this is what happened before very long. A wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. Not good. It went this way. North. Have you guys heard of the Northeaster? You guys have, just didn't know about it. Just didn't know about it. It's actually in the movie. Have you guys heard of the perfect storm? I have a, I have a poster here. Right there. Can you guys see it? They're there, the perfect storm. Okay, do you guys know who, who, who was in that movie? This guy, Mark Wahlberg. This was based on a true story in a novel that's called The Perfect Storm. It happened in 1991. It was the Northeaster that came to the coast of Canada and the States in the east. 
And it was horrible. That's the exact same storm that Paul experienced. And there was a movie made of it. And that storm was the confluence of three systems all rolled into one that made for a really bad day. There were 13 people that died, including this fishing vessel that the movie was featured in. Right? And there were waves recorded by boys off of the, off of the coast of Nova Scotia that went to 100 feet. You know how tall that is? That's 10 stories tall. That's the northeaster for you. And I believe when, when the scriptures tell us specifically what it was, we kind of have to stop. And, wow. The northeaster? Paul experienced a northeaster? That's the storm that happened to Paul. And he said, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. You know, brothers and sisters, today, I know many of us are in a storm. Many of you are there. But you know, so, so see what Paul did? We gave way to it. The first thing that we need to do is just, let's take that on. Let's give, let's give way to that storm. You know what James says? Count it all joy when we fall into various types of trials. Endure that trial. Because when we endure it, that is when it's going to cause us to persevere. And it's going to make us mature. That's what happened to Paul. He let it go. come. If you're going to come, if you must come, come storm. Come to me. Whatever happens. That's what Paul did. And it's, a, it's an example to us. We passed to the lee of a small island called, called Cauda. This is what happened next. They wanted to go there, but they couldn't. It seems like a short, short hop to that little place, but they couldn't because of the strong winds. Instead of going this way to Italy, they went to the lee of Cauda right there. They went that way. They couldn't go. Sometimes... We are in a place in our lives that we want to do something. We, we know where, where we want to go. We know what we want to do, but we can't. It is horrible. We can't. It keeps, it keeps on getting us into a different course. But then, no matter what, we need to live lives that are gospel worthy. Okay? Next. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. I love this account. It was so bad. It's not only that they're lost, that they they know what's going on. They're being tossed to and fro by the wind. They had they had to, to enforce their boat because it was breaking apart. Can you imagine that? It's a perfect storm, isn't it? Sometimes in our lives it's like that. It's not just one problem that we have. We have two or three or four. And it just doesn't stop. And it doesn't stop there with these guys. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. It's not only enough that they're being tossed to and fro. That their ship was going to break. They were going to go run. They were going to run aground here. On the Sirtis sands. That place... I don't know, it's, I think he's still even up to now. It's a, it's a, it's a boat, it's a shipyard. It's a, it's a graveyard for ships that are dead. 
off of what is currently is Libya. That's Cyrene. There is no Simon of Cyrene. That's where he's from. Libya. Okay? They didn't want to go there. Okay? They didn't want to run aground. So what happened? We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Not only the cargo, they also threw the ship's tackle overboard. You know what the ship's cargo and tackle are? The cargo is your luggage. The tackle is the ship's furniture. The, the, the tables, the desks, the chairs, the spoons, the forks. You know, your cooking utensils, your pots and pans. They threw it out on, on overboard. And sometimes in life, when we are in the storm, that is the effect that God wants us to have. He wants us to strip ourselves with things that we don't need. We think we need, we don't. This is how God shapes us. This is how God shaped these crew, this crew. And then what happens when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days? This is it right here. And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Are you there today? Have you ever gave up all hope of being saved? Like you're on the ground and you just can't get up. And you say, there's no way of getting up. I'm going to die here. This is what they felt. But before, um, before um, Paul gave them the encouragement to be courageous, he had to say one thing first. And after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Why would he do that? Why would he say, well, I told you so. Sometimes in our lives, the storms that we have are something that we cause ourselves. We know we should not have decided to do that. We know that we should not have hung out with those people. We know that we should not have gone there or done that. But we did anyway. Sometimes it's important that we realize that we did that. So we don't do it again. And then after Paul did that, he said to them, I urge you to keep up your courage because no, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So long story short, they had to keep up their courage because from here they ended up in this island called Malta. They didn't want to be there. If you were Paul, if you had to go all through that stuff, what would you do on this island when you get there? Some of us would be, yeah, that's great. Some of us would be like, I don't know, I'd probably be like, oh. I'm not doing that again. That's the last thing I did for God. That's the last time I fought for Him. Look what He, look what He made me end up in. Malta. You know what Paul did there? In the, in the account? In the Bible? You know what he did there? He did not mope. He did not say, well, I give up God. He served there. He ministered to people there. He said, I did not want to be here. But God put me here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what I do. No matter what, I'm going to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He served people there. Brought people to Christ. Now what do we learn from that? You know, the Apostle Paul had so many things that he could say to you and me. And to the people that he, used, he lived with around him at the time. To, to, as reasons why he should hang his head in shame, 
hang his head in depression or think of negative things. There's so many things that happened to him in this account alone. He could have said, I should not have appealed to Caesar and stewed on that forever and lived with that guilt forever. He could have said, well, you know what? I went on that ship and I was, I have never even been tried yet and they treated me as a prisoner. It's unfair. He could have hang on that and stood on that forever. And so would not, that would have hindered him from serving, but that's his, that could have been his story. I went on that ship as a prisoner. I could have been so much. And I was a prisoner there. Nobody listened to me. I told them to stay in fair havens and they did not listen to me because who would listen to a prisoner? He could have easily said that. And then he got caught in the storm. He lost all hope. He thought he was going to die there. Have you guys thought that you were going to die at one point? Some of us probably have been there. It's not a nice thing to be. How about you? How many reasons do you have today to say, Jay, or church, I shouldn't be here today. I have all the right in the world to be negative. I have all the right in the world to be angry at you, at God, at my dad, at my mom, at people, because of what happened to me. Maybe you're just tired. Tired because you have been in the storm for such a long time, and you can't see the sun, you can't see the, the stars. You have given up all hope. But what does Paul tell us in our scripture reading today? Whatever things are true, are noble, are right, are pure, are lovely, are admirable, praiseworthy, and excellent. Think, just fill your minds with positive things. If they're not positive things, the devil is going to want us to think about it. But when we realize it's not one of those things that Paul told us to think about, Chuck it out. Don't live in it. Don't stew in it. Chuck it out. Because we are, we are made for way more than that in God. God has given us courage. And Paul, this is what he did. He thought positively. He filled his mind with courage, with his faith, and with his hope. And finally, he kept serving. Okay, if you're going through a storm right now, keep serving. Let that light be seen in you. When people see that you're going through something and then you're keeping on, people are encouraged. People see the light. And it's an opportunity for them to keep on keeping on no matter what. So as we sing the song of encouragement, I want us to, before we do that, if you, have, if you need to talk to someone today, Maybe somebody invited you here. Talk to them. Or maybe you're close to somebody in the congregation. Talk to them. Or you can talk to me after this. Or any of the elders. Or any of the deacons. But as we sing the song of encouragement. I want us to think about this. Okay? The songs. Where was the chorus? How does the chorus go again? It says. Um, uh, I forgot. It's Glorious King. Right? Glorious King. Um. Whenever, uh, when, when everything's right, I will praise you. When everything's right, I will praise you. But even in trials, I will raise you. Why? Because you are my glorious king. Let us live lives worthy of the gospel. 
no matter what. Let's stand.